Welcome to the next episode of Dirty Laundry Game Worn Hockey Podcast. Uh, very excited to have a, a guest with me this evening. Runs WHGCanada.com, World Hockey Jersey Canada. He has been around the, the community for uh, an extremely long time now. Uh, well, want to welcome Nick to the show. How are we doing this evening, Nick? Doing very well, Jason. Thank you for having me. It's WHJ, not G. Jeez, I'm having a terrible time of uh, screwing up your name before we went on the air and that. And I was reading right off the site. I had it pulled up in front of me even. It's just been one of those days. I understand. We all so, have them. So why don't you give uh, a listeners who don't know you uh, the, the background of your site and, and yes. what you sell and who you work with. One of the big yep. ones, of course, the uh, IIHF. The IIHF, the International Ice Hockey Federation. The company was started in Greece in the, in the, actually September 2006. Um, having been involved in hockey as an assistant trainer with Team Canada from 1992 to 2000, I also served as their game-worn jersey coordinator where back in 91, when I was going to university, one of my professors, Ian McDonald, he was also the chairman of Hockey Canada and he knew I was a big hockey fan because we talked all the time hockey. He goes to me, Nick, give the give the folks in Calgary a call. They were centered in Calgary. And, you know, I spoke to Troy Parchman, who's now with Chicago, the trainer for many years in Chicago. And I told them that we could, they had over 450 jerseys, Jason. Wow. And they didn't know what to <laughs> a little, do. A little bit with. of a backstock there, huh? 90, they, yeah. When the program started in 1984, you know, back then, merchandising, game warns, and marketing was like zero. It was non-existent. A lot of times teams would just hand those off to like to to junior kids and little hockey yeah. programs just to give them jerseys, right? Passed them down to the minors and juniors. Nobody had the light bulb to say that this is going to be a lucrative business. So as a collector myself from the mid-80s, I put a presentation together for Troy and then our president, who was uh, Ron Robinson. And it was didn't take long for it to be approved. So... They sent me the first 60 jerseys in Toronto to start selling. Then I asked Troy if I could join them because there were only two, you know, it was the national team. Funding was not much. So they just had an equipment manager and an athletic trainer. And when they came to Ontario and East, actually from Manitoba East to the United States, I asked if I could join to work behind the bench and in the dressing room to help them out. And they said, yeah, why not? We could use you. And although my late father um, didn't have time to take uh, myself and my brother to the hockey arenas because he had his restaurants, you know, um, because, you know, the game started back then six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning and running a restaurant was all day. That's yeah. Prime time too. Prime time too. That's right. This allowed me to fulfill the dream as a youngster, being a big hockey fan, get involved with the game. And I started in 92, 93 as, a, as an assistant equipment manager. And we were playing against the Russians, Jason. I like to share a nice story. That was the break, one of the nice stories to this day. Um, that was when the Soviet Union was uh, breaking down and the national and the teams they used to send over to play us the trainers used to bring garbage bags of game-worn shirts like in the late 80s, early 90s, desperate to sell them for like 80 bucks, $100. Wow. You know? Yeah. Generate, um, generate revenue any way they could. Yeah, and the revenue went back into their pockets, of course, you know. <laughs> that makes sense, not surprised. They used to bring not only jerseys, but uh, those Russian hats and vodka. Oh, and of course. That. Everybody wanted that stuff in, in, the Can in Canada and the U.S. at that Definitely. time. Definitely. And I remember Oleg, the Russian trainer, once you did a deal with him, you were his brother after, and he would do deals with me. Like, for example, you know, the 1992 Albertville Olympics where the Russians didn't have anything on their jerseys. It was blank. It was the CIS. Mm -hmm. Oleg, Oleg offered Troy and I the jerseys, and we got them for like 100 bucks. And uh, let's just say we made a good wage for the whole year. When we I'll bet again. you did. <laughs> So I was there from 92 to 1999, 2000. That was my last year with Hockey Canada, Canadian Hockey Association, doing the trainer and jersey sales. 
And then I went to Greece in 2004 to start a new life and career there. And I, as soon as I got there, like I began being involved with Hockey Canada. It opened my mind and interest to the IHF, the International Ice Hockey Federation. And just like Hockey Canada didn't know what to do with their jerseys, Jason, there were a lot of nations in Europe, Asia, uh, South America that Every year they would get the jerseys from Takla or S&P Nike. Mm -hmm. And every year they would get new jerseys and they would keep the old ones. They didn't know what to do because most federations are run out of people's homes, like one or two people, you know? Wow. Yeah, because crazy. Yeah, there's countries like Estonia, Greece, for example, the Greek Federation. They were in a suburb in northern Athens. Their office hours are just 6 7 o'clock in the evening till 10 o'clock at night, you know? Like they probably have other full time jobs. That's right. Assuming there's not a lot of money in that. No, their merchandising at that level was non existent, Jason. So when I got there in 2004, I was a volunteer in the Olympics. I was at the baseball competition. And when I decided to stay, uh, my interest for the IHF, I knew that what happened in 1991 with doing a merchandise program with Hockey Canada. I said to myself, let me try and do something um, with the IHF. And in September of 06, the IHF semi-annual Congress was actually in my backyard, Athens, Greece. Very and helpful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All the, all the nations under one roof, like a small United Nations. And Phil Pritchard was there from the Hall of Fame who I knew from the 80s. And we've always helped each other. I've donated stuff to him in the hall. He was right by my side with then Kimo Lennon and one of the big marketing and merchandising of the IHF. And we sat there for an hour. And after the presentation, both Phil and Kimo said, hey, we like it. You have our blessing. Start phoning the federations. And for the first, for the first trip, I went to <laughs> Sofia, Bulgaria. I took the train from Athens to Thessaloniki and then to Sofia. There was the under 20 tournament and it was Serbia, Bulgaria, Israel. And I picked up those jerseys there and I took them back to Athens. We had our first eBay auction. They didn't sell one jersey that time, Jason. Well, and it probably a lot of it was probably so new and people don't necessarily know these teams and yeah. outside unless you follow the international hockey you may not know these teams exist and and jason all, a lot all of getting it out there north america jason all we know for ihf is canada and the u.s sweden sure. finland uh the, the big the big guns of the division uh, a the division yes. a countries nobody knew there's hockey in greece or uh serbia or bulgaria or turkey for example you know there's no coverage of that here even in Greece, hockey was non-existent. Uh, it's soccer. It's based oh, sure. it's a basketball, track and field. And there's no infrastructure, Jason. The rinks they had in Athens, there were two of them. Um, you know, they closed down in the late 90s, early 2000s to private development, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. So up till today, there's a problem with no regulation sized rinks, you know? So you use whatever you have. That's right. That's right. So with those three teams, Bulgaria, Serbia, and uh, Israel, I started making the phone calls. And that's how I started, calling the federations, introducing myself. And a lot of them were very, very reciprocal. Like they said, yeah, we've got years worth of jerseys for you if you want them, you know? Yeah, and it's taking up space for them. And when you yeah. when you can come in and say, "Hey, I can help make you money," and that's right. Let's, let's get this out to the public, and especially you mentioned eBay in that you're yeah. you're not just focused in in that country or yeah. areas close by. Now you're worldwide. It's a win win situation for all. Oh sure, the teams get money for development and future use. Nick gets awesome jerseys to offer to people had no idea they existed and i'm sure you've heard of the ihf game worn page that thing has has grown big time you know thanks to oh, yeah. era in the game you know and and some of those those 
the the lower I would call them lower end teams, but the second tier teams, some of those the division one designs two and teams, yeah, are are gorgeous. Yes, they are. Takla has done a good job with uh, what what I understand. Takla, uh, the federations are the designers of the jerseys. They design the jersey crest colors and that, and they submit to Takla. Takla has staff that work with the federations to do the corrections to suggest, you know. Sure. But they, you're right, Jason. If you look at that collage of IHF jerseys in the annual report, those are beautiful jerseys. And and I know so many people that that like getting different designs. They may not know, definitely not know the player on the back, but it's it. it's. I I have friends that I skate with locally that have picked up uh, different Polish jerseys mm -hmm. because they have yeah. um, their family uh, grew up. Uh, or, or they have a Polish heritage, things like that. And it's cool to see those kind of jerseys show up in the most random places. Yeah. Yeah. And as when I started, and as I started 2006, 2007, the countries would come to me and continue having that relationship. And we had some good countries, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, uh, Germany, Spain, Austria, like these were some good heavy duty countries, you know, Italy, for example. And then um, the lower teams, the ones that were desperate for funding and all that. We, that's when a lot of those division one, two and three teams really reached out and we could tell it was a win-win situation, you know. Sure, because you don't necessarily want to be recycling jerseys every, every time you need them. They, no. they do get torn up and, and. Yeah. What's a better way to fund new ones than sell the old ones? Or fund development, because every Correct. two years, TACLA, with the IHF uh, agreement with TACLA, it was every two years, uh, they would get new jerseys, and they could use the old ones to sell and to have me sell them and use that for other development of, the, of their game, you know, like uh, bringing up youngsters, putting the money into camps and all that, you know? Well, and that's that's to grow the that helps grow the that's program it. no matter what country you're in. That's it, and that's how it became a win-win situation. And uh, as the years went by, more teams, more nations would come to me. I would attend the congresses. That was the best part. You go as a guest or an alternate, and I'll tell you more about my experience as an alternate delegate. That was like an alternate governor NHL style. You know, I used to go to the congresses. I it was great. They would bring jerseys for me, Jason. I mean, you, you were, it was like probably like Christmas going to those things and, and meeting with these different uh, teams. My first conference Congress in Cologne, I had 12 different teams from South Africa to United Arab Emirates bringing wow. jerseys. Uh, again, areas you think would never even touch hockey, yeah. playing and, and, and being in this and having jerseys to give you. Well, I read that book, The Hockey Nomad by Dave Bedini, who, who, who put it in a book, his uh, travels and odysseys through these countries, you know? And that's how I became familiarized with it. But going to the Congresses was like the sports collectible shows, <laughs> in the National or the Toronto Sports. Oh, Congress. sure. So, so as, as you you progress through your, your career doing this and, and doing the different Congresses and that, how, how much have you seen this grow and how much have you seen this part of the hobby change with the, with the International Ice Hockey Federation? Through my efforts, um, I, I became known as the source, the premier source of IHF game-worn jerseys. And I used to use the IHF game-worn jersey page as uh, advertising, uh, letting people know about me, and eBay as well. I started, we started with a website just listing them, Jason. Mm -hmm. You know, with websites, they take a long time to sell, you know, and what oh, price- Oh, sure, because you got to get the people to that site. Yeah, what price do you put them? Like, are you shortchanging yourself? Are you shortchanging what you can offer them, you know? And we started using eBay, and eBay is great. 10-day auction, you get paid within five days. All it takes is two people to fight it out. And uh, You're exactly right. And I'll give you an example. Um, about five years ago, sorry, in the last Congress, one of the last Congresses I attended was in Bratislava, Slovakia. The Irish delegation brought me some uh, Nike jerseys from the late 90s from Ireland, the national team. And I put one up, Jason. 
it was between one of the one of our best customers and contributor on the Facebook page and a former player who had the chance in 1998 to buy it at just 50 euros. It went for $1,100 that evening. Wow, I bet he regrets not buying it originally. And guess who won it? The player. It <laughs> cost him a lot more money. He, but that was the mentality back then. There was no, the you know, why would I want my game-worn jersey, you know? Sure. And, the association and, offered to the players for 50 euros, and he declined. And I'm betting maybe one out of, of one or two out of the players took it, took him up on it. Some were sold, yeah, but this player with his name on the back never took it. And when he saw it, you should have seen the fighting between the <laughs> and it was it remains one of the highest prices ever paid for a lower division country. I think that's wow. my record. I bought it for 50 euros and hey, you that's that's part of the thing is is you're you're in a business to to yeah. make money for yourself. You're helping out the uh that's right the National Ice Hockey Federation and, and these teams and the money's you the money goes back to them and you get yeah. part of it too. And and it's like you said, it's a win-win for both. And I want to bring up how I got the Greece contract based on the win-win, you know. Um, this took years, you know, in some Mediterranean countries, Jason, <laughs> things don't move as fast as North America, <laughs> you know. Very, very slow and, and cautious approach do, uh, do they take? Yeah, a very leisurely, lazy approach, <laughs> like, you know. Usually the deals are done over some uh grilled octopus and ouzo on the beach of Wuljagmeni. And you know, know what? And and both of those things sound fantastic, by the way. Oh, trust me, 17 years there, uh I got my share of that. <laughs> so what happened was and what and what year is this when you start working uh talking to to Greece to try and yes, get the Greece started around 2019-2020. We started putting something on paper. My brother um helped me with the presentation and you know proofreading it and designing it and all that and when i went down in october of 2021 i was able to meet with the federation staff we had a zoom conference um as we're having right now and we talked about it i had sent my presentation in advance for them to see it and a few days before i was leaving to come back to toronto we had a zoom meeting for about an hour And those words, Jason, win-win, sealed the deal. Mm -hmm. uh, the president liked that a lot, win-win. We came back, came back to Toronto. We They prepared the paperwork. You know, it took a while, the Greek bureaucracy, you know. Oh, sure. Got to go through all the red tape. No That's matter right. what country and, you're in. And things work differently. Um, I wanted to let the everybody know that in uh the ihf a lot of the federations the uh, hockey federations are owned by the olympic committees the olympic state okay the state mm -hmm. it's state run and there's other rules for money and taxes and uh, uh money coming from sales of merchandise and that's one that's been a big stumbling block of me trying to get an ihf merchandise program most federations fall under the olympic umbrella of the country and you know with olympics they're strict with marketing sponsors very much so you you have an idea of that yeah they're very oh yeah yeah some of the stuff i've read it's in, it's insane to the the rules it makes the uh the nfl and their super bowl rules look soft yeah the ihf has to be careful because a lot of federations fall under the uh, national olympic committee of each country and they're strict with that They're strict. I'll give you an example. Um, Croatia was one of my best clients and uh, great relationship. The tax laws and the the federation was taken over by the Croatian Olympic Committee. And uh, things changed after that where Nick could not get any more Croatia jerseys. And when I went to Belek, Turkey, for the semi-annual Congress where I was an alternate delegate, I had a chance to speak with the lady who was who replaced my contact. And she says, we'd rather throw them out rather than sell them because the laws have changed. And I go inside of me, oh God. That seems like a really stupid answer. She explained to me the laws have changed. The Croatian Olympic Committee, along with Revenue Croatia, have, have put the padlock on selling. It violates licensing. 
you'd see you'd think you'd find a way to retool that so everybody was happy but i guess some no, people can't they, can't see past basic things it's not the federation it's the government higher up government officials and because uh, each olympic committee has government officials you know they're appointed by the government you know and that just makes things messy <laughs> yeah i know i know so that's why and when i attended one of the marketing conferences at belek turkey um I was the last speaker asking a question and I introduced who I was and what I've done. And my, the vice president who was with me on the delegation, he told me later that there were delegates in the room. He could hear people, the delegates saying, who is this guy? Why is he being successful? You know, why don't we know about him? I had a talk with um, a couple of people after and it's the, the obstacles that I'm referring to, the Olympic committees, uh, taxation in Europe is different. It's the VAT, value-added tax. Mm -hmm. Each country has their own tax and logistics, the way of doing it, you know. You, they'll never be able to, Jason, to have an IHF merchandise program where there'd be one source to get your jerseys. Like fanatics, we all know about the fanatics. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we sure do in the last 24 hours. They can't do it. They can't do that in Europe because each country... They say the European Union, but still, you can't change 1,000 years of independence. You know, right. the each country Union, gets to make their own rules for these things. Yeah, the European Union just came into play in the late 90s, early 2000s. There were many centuries of countries autonomous. You know. Oh sure, and yeah, they're not they're not going to give that up easily. No, no, it's a European Union on paper and the euro, but deep down inside, each country, each federation acts differently. You know, and that's what they explained to me, you know, that definitely makes sense. So now you've, you've, in the uh, you had the, the latest meeting, what just last fall? Yeah. September of 2022. Um, because of my efforts and helping the Federation, I approached them to be to, like, they only send one delegate member. They only send one person and there's no way he can go to all the meetings. So I asked if I could tag along and they said, yes, you've, you've done some good work for us. And You've proven yourself well. That's right. I trust you to go or, to that. Jason, as they say, I've reached the cherry on top of that chocolate cake. You know? <laughs> there, you, there you go. Um, they they approved of that. And I'll, I like to, I knew I made the cherry at the top of the cake when I opened my hotel room. And it was a suite in one of the best, like we talk about resorts in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. this was paradise wow and now, where was it where was it held that uh yes, last year it, yeah southern turkey okay uh, the uh the western riviera as they say oh wow uh it's a town called belek in antalya about an hour from on istanbul and that place the hotel was like 10 kilometers long wow you got All set up nice. <laughs> the IHF doesn't fool around. Yeah, say I bet. Yeah, I bet it's not an average place they picked to host these wow. because it's. How long does this event go? Three days. Three okay. days of uh, Congress, and it's probably all all day oh, into the evening. Nine to five. Nine to five. Okay. Uh, for the first two days, you don't have any like. Could you imagine the southern Riviera, southwestern Riviera of Turkey, the the beaches, thirty eight degrees. And you're in that room nine to five and you can't. Oh. Yeah, it's like, why can't we have the meeting on the beach? <laughs> and the bars that are on the beach with the lovely. Oh, sure. Well, they don't, they don't, yeah, they don't want to mix that. Because you know what kind of meetings those can, can like turn Like that story I, with that, the, the lady who served me a beer and I gave her the jersey and she just went crazy for it. And uh, it's, uh, it, it just blew me away, but I knew I had reached the top being an alternate an alternate it, like all those people there are the alternate governor like the governors you know the nhl governor board of sure. governors meeting that's the equivalent of wow. the board of governors and you're in a room with like a united nations and you're privy to some information and numbers jason that just blows you away you know i can't pot can't even imagine like the numbers the sponsorship deals even the bidding for tournaments like Division one, two, three. It's fierce. Like, oh, I can imagine. And it's revenue for yes. wherever it's going to go. The IHF gives each venue assistance. 
and they make their money through other things like hotels, like for example, the Bulgarian guy, Stoyan uh, Soteris from Greece explained to me that, you know, when the teams get there, Stoyan has his people for hotels, for transportation, for restaurants. It's lucrative. It's, you know, oh, I could, uh, yeah. Everybody, I mean, when you when you see it at the high level for the the Olympics and that the fighting of who's trying to get what, because yeah. they know it's a huge revenue generator, and it's not just because these people are coming to the events. It's like you said, the hotels, the restaurants, right. those ancillary things that will generate tons of of local the ancillary revenue. things. Yeah, definitely. And uh, some of the presentations, I couldn't believe some, like Mongolia, for example, Ulaanbaatar. They Ulaanbaatar has a rink the size of like 15, 16,000 seat rink. Turkey has 14 indoor rinks with private boxes. Turkey, Division wow. II. Some of those countries, Jason, have taken the money they get from the government and just built a great infrastructure. Indonesia, Indonesia is another example. Israel. And when some I of those places you wouldn't picture no. having that much, but it's it's great that they are to grow yes. a, a really good international sport. Yeah, I mean, when I started in 2005, six, these countries that I mentioned, Turkey, uh, they didn't have anything. Now, the presentation they did to get a Division II tournament, that ring with private boxes for a Division II tournament, it just blew me away, you know? Yeah, it's got to make you feel good seeing how much this has yeah. grown since you started and seeing yeah. that that countries are are yeah. being smart and, and using the monies in the right way. It's a the IHF is a very powerful organization. It doesn't uh everybody knows it for division A. I mean, you know, but they take care of the division one, two, and three countries too, you know. I mean, they are determined to see the sport develop. That's their big thing. And every year, Jason, at the congresses that I attend. We have new applicants that want to join, like Puerto Rico, uh, Colombia joined us a few years ago, Algeria, you know. Yeah, and you would, again, you wouldn't picture much of South America no. being a possible Mecca of hockey. But now they even have the Latin Cup, the Latin Cup where Brazil, Colombia, Puerto Rico, all those countries join, you know. And and yeah, and those are all all countries that as far you hear them, especially together. The minute you'll think of soccer, that's that's yeah. what you think the the discussion is. And I I can't only imagine how much that's growing down there because again, not everybody may like soccer, or you know what, they're going to do both, or attempt to do both. They are the attempt and the effort there, Jason. From what I've seen at the congresses, they're a very very determined professional, good bunch of people committed to the game. Um, even, even if there's only two or three people running the Federation, they're doing like six to eight jobs in one, you know? Wow. But they care enough about the sport to put that kind of effort in, in all those hours. I do see that. They do care. The love I saw it. I've seen it firsthand attending the Congresses. They appreciate every aspect from TV revenue, marketing, merchandising. They know they're like, they're like the NHL. They know what, what is, what is good. What is, you know, sure. You're not having to reinvent the wheel because other no. people have done it. No. So that's very helpful. And then they can take it back to their countries and fine tune it to how things work there. Yeah. Yeah. So with our Greece program, we've launched a nice array of merchandise as you see the jerseys and all that. And just like in 2006, our aim and goal is to use that money to go back to the Federation to develop well, the game to get their ice rink, you know, because one of the big drawbacks we don't have in the regulation size rink and the rules of the IHF are strict. You have to have a regulation size rink and a league in order to play in division one, two, and three, you know, that's one of our obstacles right now. So there, there are no rinks at all in Greece that there's, that only, uh, there's only the one uh, in uh, Athens uh, next to a mall is like, <clears throat> excuse me, about a little more than a half the size of an Olympic size rink. Because Olympics, if anybody that doesn't know, it's a hundred by two hundred for the two hundred by one hundred. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah. So wow, so it's half of that. It's a little more than half, Jason, okay. which is an is no, it's not 
it's not it's no good you know so that doesn't even because nhl is is uh 100 by 200 by 85 so yeah okay because it, comfortably it's like a four on four ring basically you know yeah you're putting more out there everybody's gonna just bumping into each other trying to skate around yeah the problem was as i mentioned earlier when the see the rink there was a there we have a facility in piraeus uh, called uh peace and friendship stadium that was constructed in the shape of the calgary saddle dome you know okay and that was their first rink because they built uh ice equipment ice making plant and for the first three years that's where the league games were but the government gave it to the basketball team to olympia coast basketball team and they took out the ice and all that oh and yeah yeah, because that was a 16,500 seat arena regulation. Like size. you're telling me you couldn't share this and schedule time or, I mean. They didn't, they didn't see hockey because hockey can be traced back to 1984 where Greeks abroad came back and started it. Okay. They didn't foresee it was only five, six years old, you know, had hockey been there in the sixties and seventies could have been a different story. Yeah, I that guess, left I guess that makes sense, but you've got to, you've got to, I guess, have leadership with good, uh, yeah, good know. vision for the future. That left us two rinks, one in Moscato, Moscato and one in Marusi. They were regulation size, but they gave way to private development, condo development, you know. Unfortunate, because we know money talks. Yeah, yeah, and that's been the number one obstacle, Jason, unless there's a, the solution that we've seen and talked about is a bubble, you know, those tennis bubbles, those, yeah. Big, uh, yeah. If they can put down a tennis bubble with a couple of pads, ice regulation size, that will allow them to do training and development. And that will allow them to go out again to compete in division three, you know, and they can have their league games too. And then as you, as you grow it, then you, you have yeah. the ability to sell, Hey, we need some more true rinks with seating and all that kind of stuff. And, and, my geography is not the best or, or I guess, what kind of weather do, do you see much snow in, in parts of Greece Actually, or, or colder temperatures? Like I was that? there in 17 for 17 years. We had like in those years, five to six major snowstorm in Athens. Wow. They, got no, they got no snow removal or equipment. I mean, we wait, <laughs> we wait for the sun to come out to melt the thing. And for three days, there were snow days. You wouldn't go to work or school, you know? Sounds like some of the, the southern parts of the U.S. See, I'm That's not right. nice right in the Midwest, so we That's deal right. with the snow and the cold and, and no big deal to me. But but yeah, I, I didn't know how much you saw of that and, and if it would be much of an Lately, issue. It does snow every year in Athens. They get about their average snow, one snowstorm a year, it dumps 10 to 20 centimeters. Okay. So, yeah, so reasonable. So you wouldn't have a lot of issue keeping, especially with that bubble and stuff, keeping those rings. No, because they would be the equipment and all that. It's just the bubble with the proper equipment for the ice, you know? And if we can get one in Athens and one in Thessaloniki, the northern city, it's like Toronto, Montreal. Okay. The sister, the sister city, 500 kilometers apart. There's about 10 teams today in the um, still registered with the Atlantic Winter Sports Federation. The league, the teams exist. The members, the players are still there. If we can get one in Athens, one in Thessaloniki, we'll be on our way. And the money that we're doing from the merchandise program is going to help. So tell them about what's what's available so far and and, and yeah, right what now kind we of have, you're trying to raise how much money? yeah right now right now we have authentic jerseys from Takla the official supplier of Takla, Takla and they supplier. are beautiful jerseys I'm on the site here in the background yeah. it doesn't share well across zoom unfortunately but but those jerseys are beautiful I love that blue especially yeah Greek Greek blue the traditional Greek <laughs> blue and, and uh, a super good price for them as well yeah well Takla they may maybe sublimation, but it's attractive. It's beautiful, you know. And when sublimation first came out, I was really iffy on it. But the more good yeah. jerseys get done that way, I really love them. Takla originally started with sublimation, um, beautiful mesh sublimated jersey. Then, unfortunately, Takla and Connor O'Reilly is Mr. Takla. He, <laughs> he he's managed to put together an awesome collection of '80s and '90s and early 2000 Taklas. 
Tacla went, unfortunately, some bad times economically, gave way to Nike and S&P, and all those jerseys were made cheap, and they peeled num the numbers. And oh, names. no. And then Tacla got back, 2003, and Sublimation, they've done a good job. They're beautiful, nice jerseys. They're, you've seen them. They're beautiful. And, yeah, and, and that's a name that, that if you grew up playing hockey or look yes. at older, older NHL gear, that's what you saw on a lot of pants. And, and other stuff they've been around a long time it, it yeah. stinks that they went on some hard times but they they, they came back and now they're back they've been there since 2002 and 3 20 20 years and, and, and you can find these out too at, at your website whjcanada.com yes we have jerseys we have pucks pennants caps um when we start playing we're going to do well with our game worn jerseys i can tell you that i bet you know? those will be extremely popular like i said that that design is phenomenal yeah and as you see from our website we're starting to reach out to the greek players like andreas athanasiou we presented him a jersey at the chicago toronto game yes i saw those pictures that's awesome yeah so we're how reaching many, out. how many greek players are in the nhl are there well, there's, jordan, there's jordan cairo in st louis you yep. should know that yeah, yeah. Very, very close to me, hour and a half from my house to, to see. Yeah, Jordan Cairo and his brother's playing in uh, Windsor. He got drafted by Dallas. Uh, there's Andreas Athanasiou. And remember the Nick Fotiu, Nikki Fotiu, the Rangers. Oh, yeah. Staten Island Stallion. There was uh, Chris Chelios. We're going to meet Chris Chelios at the Toronto show. He'll be guest signing and we're going to present him with the jersey. Oh, that'll be phenomenal. Uh, Nick Kiprios is another gentleman, uh, Greek, uh, played many years. Chris Katsopoulos. So you, you've got some some good names to to help you yes. push this out a little bit more. And and please Ted let Leonsis. me know if you get down to St. Louis to uh, to present Cairo yeah. with one. Uh, That's what I we're thinking next year, you know. And Ted Leons is the owner of Alexei Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. He's Greek. Oh, there you go. So we've got a good opportunity to reach out, you know, and the Greek communities are behind all this. The Greek communities abroad unite for the cause, you know? Oh, phenomenal. And, and I'll be, there's some, some local restaurants we have here. We have Springfield seems to have uh, where yeah. I live has a decent Greek population. I'll send this out to, uh, to people that I know. So then they can spread it in other, uh, yeah other contacts as well we've been we've been good with the uh greeks abroad in new york chicago their page has put us on there as well so we're hustling now we're putting it into drive and uh, we got the product and uh i hope the rest is history you know it's yeah and you can look at this in a in a handful of years and see how amazing you've done and how the the greek hockey program has taken off yeah we like to get back to on ice because we our first tournament was in 1991, 1990-91. Wow. We, we used to send the teams regularly, and all that time they played, they won two medals. They 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 were successful. Let's let's bring that tradition back. So the other thing we wanted to cover, uh, because you, besides selling the the uh, IHF, uh, International Ice Hockey Federation stuff, you you have other jerseys that, that you sell through eBay and that. And uh, yeah, mostly I'll, I'll, I've been doing junior jerseys since the mid to late 80s i love junior jerseys just like the tackle ihf jerseys they're colorful they're attractive oh, yeah the design some of those designs are so, fun and so cool they've done a good job and i used to buy them back then the prices were like it was the same mentality why do you want a game worn jersey some of them were 20 bucks 30 dollars 40 oh, yeah. our junior team is like that i've gone to them before when they've had piles from past springfield blues yeah yep 30 40 dollars a jersey and and i keep some and some will go go yeah. to other people around the country i started with junior hockey because i knew it's only one set of home one set of road the wear yep. is phenomenal yes and as long-term collectors we like the wear which you don't get much these days, you know. No, uh, no, we sure don't. But the the over the last three ish years, mm -hmm. we've we've seen the market swing around a lot. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I'm concerned about that. It's. I wanted to. Can I? May I? Uh, I wanted to add. Um, three years ago, when Canada and the U.S. were handing out the COVID money, the CERB and the the hobby. I mean, people had nothing to do and they invested all that in cards i was doing well with the hockey jerseys jason i mean the prices were good 
Oh yeah, you yeah. saw it across the market. One of the things that I do yeah. um, it, with the the St. Louis Blue stuff is I track all their auctions. I've been doing it for yeah. uh, probably pushing two years now, so I can chart out. Okay, this player's averaging about this much. Um, and that kind of stuff. And, and you had, you saw a really big uptick. Yes, you of course, did. when the Blues won the cup, you saw more of one. Yeah. And now you're seeing a little downturn. Yeah. Talking to, to people across the league that yes. watch other teams. You're right. It is definitely, we're, we're seeing the cards too. I was looking at it before we, I joined uh, some of the 79.80 sets that used to be eight, nine, without Gretzky, eight, 900. They're going for half of that. Wow. Yeah, and the jerseys too. The last classic auction. A lot of those common shirts were very low. Yeah, and it's funny with with social media that's helped a lot with the different Facebook groups. Once those yeah. auctions, once they start, you see people commenting, and then once they close, it's okay. What did what did we think about this price? What did we yeah. think about that price? And it's I love those conversations because yeah. with the internet, we have a history because you may find some that sold. 10 or 15 years ago that are mm -hmm. out on the internet still yeah. you can compare how mm -hmm. they've done but i do see a downtrend jason compared to three years ago and i'm seeing it myself with uh the jerseys prices are down you know and and do you think it's besides the the Economy. market and yeah. and the I don't want to call it free money, but a lot of people did. You're right. Had the extra income. We're, we're yeah. working from home. We're not spending stuff and we're getting right. the, the government checks and things to, to help support. And, and you're right. People who had the expendable income could go buy these. Yeah. But do you also think, at least from the, the NHL side of things, do you think we're oversaturated with the, the retros, the reverse retros, yeah. all this specialty stuff? Do you think that's, that's hurting the market because people want to focus on those and the regular season jerseys, especially when they're wearing two, three, four, well, three or four sets or more. Do yeah. you think that's kind of killing some of that as well? There much, there's a lot of oversupply right now. There's a lot. I mean, my gray has a lot of jerseys. Teams are three home, three road, one home, one road playoff. Let's uh, that's eight sets. Can the market, is there enough people? Do we see new people getting in? Like I've heard also this as well, Jason, the fathers and the older people they're doing it now, a lot of kids aren't interested in that stuff. All they want is the, the iPad and the phone, you know? Right. Or, or they're interested in a particular player. And once he's moved, right. trade or retired, eh, don't care anymore. Moving on. Looking ahead and into the future. Are there enough people to absorb all these jerseys? that's a good question because you you've been in the hobby a long time i've been yeah. in the hobby since uh, 95 96 ish and it's it's interesting to see how things have changed because i mean we went from the the forums on different pages yeah. to once social media started taking off yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and expanding it and you had a lot of casual fans that didn't know you could get player jerseys they were Definitely. buying the, the replicas of the authentics yes. in the stores That's and it. then they started seeing the kiosks show up at the games yeah or advertisements on the the, the hockey news it was the hockey news. right I mean, yeah and, and and now you go to games and it's on the the jumbotron of hey yeah. uh go to sign up for this text for for all our auctions yeah. and now yeah. you see those jerseys out there mm -hmm. or you see them when you walk into the arena yeah. as a lot of places do like I've talked with the junior collectors like Adam Schmidt and a few others and Dylan Linchuk. And he said, yeah, I mean, prices are down as well in the junior market. Um, in the IHF, I'm happy to report some good stability, especially the exotic countries. Like look at my Macau and Chinese Taipei and Argentina jerseys. I mean, they're going, they're doing well. But other teams like Armenia, Belgium, which have been out in droves, I mean, you see the the range you know sure and and even going back to junior jerseys a little bit like i said as i've dealt with the the springfield team here is early on 94 to mid to late mid 2000s or so all the jerseys were ccm bauer those kind of things and everything was sewn yeah. now they've transitioned to to the uh sublimation and some are okay but if they're done crappily 
know. Guys like me, I look at him. I'm like, no, I'm not going to spend the money on him because yeah. the the yeah. the name bars ironed on, and it yeah. just it looks bad. I mean, I know some teams do a fantastic job. We yeah. have the uh, the Southern Professional Hockey League Pure yes. Riverman just yeah. north of me. They do their jerseys well. They do a lot of specialty jerseys, mm-hmm. and they all sell. But they have yeah. an the audience is, of yeah. five or 6,000 people that come to the games, mm-hmm. and I think they just keep those people continue to buy them. But they don't wear more than one or two regular game sets a season. Hakla has done a good job, Jason, in that they've really um, increased their quality with fight straps now and everything, so that's a big bonus. Um Quite a few of us in the junior area are upset that they went to quick light where you can tell it's lighter and the crest is screened on a patch and sewn on. It's it, the quality has gone down a bit, you know? And yeah. And, and collectors who are spending good money, if you were spending $300 say on a fully nice done stitched logo, and now it goes to this, you're going to be less inclined to pay that same amount of money for, for lower quality. Yeah. If I do a swap, analysis that's what i'm uh, i'm afraid of the quality and uh the economic situation the factors and all that compared to three four years ago you know we so gotta I get guess, new blood in too right and and it's they it it, it is funny to watch because even with the how the st louis blues do their their most yeah. of their auctions is through the the text mm-hmm. uh texting auction thing and it's funny to see how many have now gone outside the local market yeah. and people anywhere in the country who are a blues fan or follow a particular player mm-hmm. want that uh, five, four or five years ago, six years ago, I had a conversation with the marketing uh, game worn salesperson for the Dallas stars. Okay. One of the guys that I, I collected because mm-hmm. he played at the time was, was Mike McKenna. Everybody knows yeah. that I, I collect his stuff. He went to yeah. Dallas and we, we got the contact of the person down there because we found out they were only selling them at games. Mm-hmm. I had an hour long conversation with her explaining, look, yes, you have stars fans locally. You have stars fans nationally, mm-hmm. and you have guys that follow players around like I do. Mm-hmm. You've got to open this up. And within probably about a quarter or halfway through the season, they were posting, they mm-hmm. always did it in the rink first. And then a week or two later, you'd see them on their website. And they were mm-hmm. shocked to find out that it wasn't just a local market thing. And they've, they've, made so much more money with that yeah i'm also happy to report there is lots of inventory for a person like me and the business to buy but you just can't buy everything jason you can't just sure yeah you've got to look at okay what what do i feel is going to sell well that's right selectively buying yes Uh, and i've been hearing that term too a lot lately jason from dealers and collectors selectively buying are you finding some of the teams that you talk to or deal with on the junior level? Are they, because most of them do only wear one set of home and road. Are yes, they, they do. looking at yes, doing do. things differently or are they sitting on inventory? There's teams that are sitting inventory for a few years, like Sherbrooke Phoenix has jerseys from 1718, uh, Gatineau as well. Some of the, some of the, like the North Bay Battalion have jerseys from, like I was a good customer of theirs, but all of a sudden something changed and they wanted to use CHL auctions and they never even used them. You know, there's a te- there's teams that have lots of jerseys for some reason, but I can't go in there, Jason, and buy 40, 50 jerseys. No, because you've got to one, make money. And if, if that inventory is going to sit, yeah. you're out that money until you get it sold. With the teams, I try three to four jerseys at a time. That gives me enough to, for my eBay auctions once a month. You know, I can't buy team sets. That's suicide. You know that. Right. Because you may find a few guys that are popular and either a local person that follow that team or if somebody that's gone on big, maybe that, yeah. that attracts attention or at some kind of rare style. But you're right. Yeah. You can't yeah. sit on on a whole no. cluster of jerseys. And from collectors too that I've been talking with and they've offered me some stuff from their collections. You got to be careful, Jason, selective, you know, I mean, they try, we try our best to come up with a deal, but there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, it's available, you know? Right. And, and it's, you, you see the, the flipping, you see companies yeah. going in and buying just massive stocks of, of yeah. if teams have hung on to stuff over the years, yeah. 
they're trying to blow out training camp jerseys and that. And you yeah. show up for, in some cases, stupid money. Yeah. Uh, but, but I know they're, they're trying to make their money off of it. No. And, and even, but like looking at your, your current eBay auctions, you've got some fantastic pieces out there. You Everybody got, has. Yeah. I've got great items. Some the of key, the China jerseys. Yeah. And, uh, those are gorgeous. And you see how I do it. I, I, I start them low for everybody to get in. Uh, I'm not worried about it because I know what I have. I know I will get the prices and just do 10 to 12 at a time. Uh, Pat Lelylet, a very good friend of ours, I'll always remember his phrase, less is more, you know, less is more. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you flood the market at once, you, if you're not going to see nearly as many bids. You can't put 25 jerseys on there. It's, it's. It's a nightmare. I don't have time to run to the post office 20. So I do two <laughs> options. I do in the beginning of the month, 12, and at the end of the month, another 12. That's pretty good. No, that, that makes great sense. And of course, I'm I'm uh, watching one closely now, the <laughs> St. Louis Blues jersey with, yeah. with the uh, Bobby Plager 5 patch on it. And I actually yeah. have his his uh, 90s, uh, yeah. 90s jersey. So it'd be yeah. nice to uh, to add that one. So I'll be, be keeping a close eye on it. But some no, of these are just that's how beautiful. I do. 12, 12 in the beginning, 12 at the end, 25 jerseys a month. That's not too bad. No, no. And, and you're, you're able to, uh, to do the things you need to do. And yeah. for anybody looking it, it's W H J underscore Canada, uh, yeah. for the, for the eBay auctions. Or if, yeah. again, if you go to the, uh, WHJ all links from out there, yeah. uh, Nick, any other things that you want to uh, to touch on this evening, or or uh, talk about with your with your background, or things that you you hope to see in the near future, or even if you want to touch on a little bit on the uh, uh, the big announcement yesterday yeah. with fanatics. That's going to be interesting how it's going to shake down. I mean, I'm also a Mitchell and Ness fan, and when Mitchell and Ness came out with those beautiful jerseys in the '90s and 2000s, they were beautiful. I saw the ones they came out. Oh, yep. Mitchell and Ness was bought out by Fanatics, Jason. Of course they were. My God, just looking at those photos, the material and the crowd, like I just I just went like that. I said, oh, how could they do that? Yeah, you know? the original Mitchell and Ness are still, yeah. they're popular. They're, yes, they if are. you find them online, they are, they are, they go for good money. They've you held its value, the Jason. They've held its value. I have the V-style home, a golden uh, black. Oh, nice. Williams. And an LA King Taylor, no comparison to what they're offering. No, because it's a it's a heavy material. It's yeah. good quality. One of the ones that that I may still have to pick up if I can find one reasonable is they did a a blues burn uh, Bernie Federko. Yes, they and did. The fight strap is the the clip style one that would clip onto the button. I love that they did that in even the the, the remake of those jerseys. And the Doreen was as authentic perfect. as possible. The Doreen was perfect. Yes. The Doreen was spot on. Now you look at that. That's what I'm afraid of. The quality is going to suffer big time. And it looks like, and again, following the articles and stuff have come out because it's just been a blast of information over the last 24 hours is at least for a couple years ish. It's going to be nothing's changing. Yeah. Same, same factory, same everything, but long-term I'm really concerned that, that you're going to see a quality drop off or you're going to see, a glut of jerseys. My other, and I've I've not talked to, only talked to a couple other people on this so far, and and we're going to do a podcast on this soon. Okay. Is my fear is as fanatics tries to push that they take control of all the game worn sales. That's what I've been reading the Facebook page, Paul's group. There's yep. a lot of people that are asking that question, and uh, it's not impo- it's not impossible to think that it's not going to happen. I mean, fanatics says re- first of all, and my brother worked in sports retail in the 90s you don't see any more independent sports stores like action spot sports in canada we had the locker room look at river city sports an institution and it went bankrupt. Oh, yeah. you can't buy from suppliers except fanatics anymore to open well, up a sports store today it's suicide you know right. and the the fight for and and part of this goes back to adidas too and their their rules is the release of the what you hear in the hobby is mix or made in Canada jerseys, unless you went to an equipment sale or sometimes the teams put them online, you didn't get them. When Reebok had those out, they were, you could find them anywhere. You cannot market an authentic Indo edge as authentic. No way. 
Well, no and unfortunately, and, and while we were talking just a minute ago, I hadn't seen the update on this. And um, unfortunately, as of just a week and a half ago, March the 6th, the lawsuit that we all talked about in a bunch yes, of the groups were the, the authentic jerseys, but the U.S. District Court judge dismissed the lawsuit oh, no brought by the uh, the Florida attorney. Remember, yeah. It was saying that, that authentic wasn't, uh, it was breach of contract, all wow. that. The, um, the, the judge wrong. basically says Adidas didn't break any laws with that. That's wrong. That's wrong. I'm, that I've been disappointed because I grew up with, you could buy the actual online CCM jersey at any from locker room, River City Sports, and all that. Right, and you, you know? and you had the you had the the replicas, which were the lighter material, no fight yeah. straps, single elbows. Yeah. But it was clear that there was a difference, and they sold them that way, and they priced them that way. Cosby was the model of that. Cosby yes. in New York. Cosby was a was like a gold mine. You go there, and it was like a kid in the candy store. And unfortunately, now. They got nothing in there in terms of license stuff. They had everything from NBA champion jerseys, Rawlings baseball, football. And now they've been reduced to just like um. And, and and I'm not an attorney, nor do I play one on any podcasts or radio yeah. or TV or anywhere else. But but several people I've talked to in messages over the last 24 hours too is, do you get to a point where fanatics is a monopoly? So it looks that way. I mean, um. If and not just to, for the NHL in general. They have the the to, I don't know if you follow it up there at all, I Nick. Because you have the yeah. NCAA tournament. Yeah, Fanatics has a deal with the entire NCAA. Yeah. It does it for every team. I just found out here in Canada, Lids.ca. They're the Canadian version of Fanatics. Lids. Yep. The they were bought out because I used to buy a lot of hats through them, and I'm like, Lids. I'm done. And you can see their website, Jason. It's an exact spitting image of Fanatics. Yep. It's you know? that template, and and that template, yeah. Yeah. Funny story, and I don't know if you saw it on any of the across the Facebook, because I actually bought a blues hat through a, a discount store locally. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. blues hat has a nice logo, of course, Fanatics. Underneath the bill, they would put whatever the city is it's of that picture, team. Yeah. Mine says Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. So you, you had some quality control issues. There's another picture of one of the uh, uh, a New York Rangers shirt going around that has the Rangers logo, all everything else, but it says yeah. New York Islanders on it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of concerns yeah. long-term, short-term, at least for the on-ice game-worn yeah. jerseys for a season or two, we may be okay. And I will say when the Adidas deal was announced, I was skeptical on yeah. what the quality of the jerseys would be, what the wear would be like. Yeah. And when I first got some, I was actually really impressed. And I yeah. really do like the Adidas jerseys. The MICs are very nice jerseys. It's the Indo edge that's not even close. You no, know? no, it's garbage. It's almost like the Chinese knockoffs are, are almost a level of those now. I mean, the shoulders, you can tell it's like a semi-pro jersey. Easy, right. You know? uh, the the ironed-on patches and the, the quality. So I guess we'll see where that goes. Nick, any final thoughts before we get out of here this evening? Um, as we've all said, it's a hobby. The jerseys are great, but it's the people that make the hobby. It's right. the connections. It's the contacts. And uh, for me, being in the business now, I treasure those contacts. I'm privileged. Um, I remember when I started out in 06, Phil said to me, Phil Pritchard, you're starting out on something good that a lot of people would love to do what you're doing. Take good care of it and always be yourself and uh, work hard and everything will come. And uh, I've been fortunate and happy. I'm, I'm after 17 years doing this. It's rewarding. You know, and, and that's the best part. We've talked about it on on multiple, multiple shows is it's yeah. it's the friendships, yes. it's the connections. We just had the Nova Expo the past yes, weekend. Did, yeah. The it's not just the oh, look at this cool jersey or I'm gonna trade that. No, it's hanging out with the guys, it's telling stories. Yeah. And and that's what it is, is it's these friendships. And and you and I've talked off and on for a while and we're trying to get this scheduled. And I'm I'm so glad we were able to, to get it done. And and I know we'll continue to stay in contact and yes. and hopefully make some deals. Anybody out and you know, I'll run the extra mile to do that. Because that's we, we want you have have done this for a while and all of us want to do it we want to grow the hobby yes we look at the future too right because we're not always going to be here and our journey no. move on somewhere else yes they we're will. not getting buried with them <laughs> no we don't we just 
when the bus comes, we just hop on board, no baggage, you know? Right. Again, tell them how they can get a hold of you, your website yes. and, and your eBay stuff as well. Our website is www.whjcanada.com. Our user, eBay user ID is WHJ underscore Canada. And we have auctions in the beginning of the month, 12 to 15 jerseys. And at the end of the month, another 12 to 15 jerseys. Please go go check him out. Nick is awesome. He's going to take care of you. Again, everything, I hope everything with the uh, with Greece works out well and you guys can generate good revenue, get some more rinks built, get Greece up there and just uh, have a huge hockey following and you visiting with the uh, the current and former NHL players to, yeah. to yeah. get them a jersey. Because then if you get them interested, that's yeah. only going to spread. Uh, opens doors, Jason, and the possibilities are endless and priceless. Exactly. Nick, thank you so much for a, a fantastic evening. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me. And if I'm one last thing, if you can do me a favor, if you can post the podcast on the IHF page, that'd be you great. better believe it. As soon as it's edited and, and ready to be mm -hmm. posted, that, that will be there. Thank you uh, for having me. I enjoyed every minute of it. And if I can help anyone, the door is always open. I appreciate it, Nick. Thank you. Have a nice evening. Thank you very much. Take care.